0: Awesome. Um, So good morning, good afternoon and good evening everybody. My name is Corey Wharton Malcolm aka BitBeefy and this is the the podcast, The Tug Hub. Now this is a podcast if this is the first time that you're listening to it. I explore the word help in all its forms with all of my guests. So I ask my guests, What do they think of the word help? When do they ask for help? How do they ask for help? How does helping make them feel? And more importantly, do people ask for help? Now, because of the time that we're living, we cannot not discuss equality or inequality. We can't not discuss racism. We can't not discuss current affairs. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce you to my two guests, who are in the tub, obviously not this tub, another tub. Guess number one, please introduce yourself. Hetty, that's you.
1: (laughs) It's guess number one, sorry. (laughs) Um, I'm I'm Hetty Holmes, editor and co-founder of Dose magazine, which is for healthy headness in search of balance.
0: Awesome.
2: I'm Dara Tochia. I am Hetty's partner in crime and also the co-founder of Dose.
0: Awesome. Um, So now that we've established when I ask questions, which order (laughs) we're going to answer, (laughs) as this is the first time that I have done a podcast with three people. Um, So, uh, Hetty, tell me about Dose.
1: Dose. Well, Dose is in its fourth year now. It is primarily a a kind of a website, but we, we call ourselves multimedia because we've kind of branched out into podcasts, event experiences, um, all sorts of things basically we 've tried to stay stay super fluid because the media landscape is is obviously in a state of flux um, but yeah we we basically communicate to a very targeted audience of healthy headness we like to call them so they 're people who really put a lot of care and focus on in their fitness and well being but they also like to have a bit of fun too um, and and live it up so we, we use this word hedonism, but um, we use it in a kind of sense of like pleasure seeking and uh. tapping into stuff that makes you feel good, not necessarily like the old sense of the word, which, you know, is, has its connotations. But, um, but yeah, so we've, bought, we've built up a very engaged audience. Um, and now we've reached over 120K across our different channels. Oh, and awesome. yeah, and the future is actually product. That's going to be the next thing we go into. Which is um,
0: So, so Shara, why did you guys start Dose? Well, that's a good question.
1: Um,
2: Hetty and I met, let's say, yeah, just over <laughs> four years ago, as she said, and we became friends through meeting at, let's say, a consultancy job. This, this is the shorter story, and we were both frustrated about the state of the wellness industry. And it really was at the kind of peak of its boom, let's say. So at that time, there was no platform communicating to us, which we define ourselves as the healthy and people that love to work out, but also reward ourselves for working out. And we were frustrated by the, you know, content that was out there, get abs in six days, and diet to drink, you know, try Kim Kardashian's new skinny drink. We were like, why
1: isn't there someone that talks to us, that just talks
2: about living, not your best life, but living well. So we, we basically brainstormed the idea of what this business idea might be, or, or working together, because we spent quite a lot of time getting to know each other and, and seeing if that relationship would work. And that's how Dose sort started. It was, it was simply a newsletter when it started, and we were both in jobs. And it got a good, good amount of traction in about 9 to 12 months that it kind of forced us to go, oh, crap, there's something in this. Let, let's go in. Let's, let's jack it all in and let's see what happens.
0: That's amazing. And um, Hetty, when when you lately started, like, did you did you ask anyone for help, or did you just kind of? Well, actually, you asked each other for help. As exactly. do you think you would have been able to do it by yourself?
1: Well, that's a really good question, Corey. I was actually going to be my answer because I, I worked in a startup prior to Dose and I helped this entrepreneur with her business and it, it, we launched it successfully and it actually made me realize that I could do it on my own, but I didn't want to do it without a partner. I, I, I knew that I had a certain set of skills, but I, I knew that I wanted to do it with someone. And um, I kind of set up this this blog actually called health and hedonism ironically and <laughs> I kind of I didn't know really how to monetize it I had all the kind of content and creative ideas but I I didn't know how to turn it into a business and I didn't even know what that business was I I kind of thought it could be like aggregating the, those two distinct areas or like festivals or, or something anyway I did actually go hunting for a business partner and it <laughs> let, and it I did. I, I met, I just had so many meetings with people that I, I kind of looked up to in the industry, in the wellness industry, just to see if I gelled with them. And then it, it kind of eventually led me to Shara, um, had to kiss a couple of frogs along the way, but yeah, it led me to her. And actually we always say that like Shara is the yang to my yin or I'm the yin to her yang because we are completely opposite, but we really complement each other. And it's, it's basically allow the business to grow as it has so so yeah I definitely I asked for help in the form of Shara and this is where we are so
0: now now Shara listening to all of that is this the first time that you've heard this story as in did you know that that Haiti didn't just come and find you she's just told us both that she went looking elsewhere
2: I do know this story <laughs> and I love it so <laughs> much because like without sounding so cheesy, it was exactly the same for me, um, different background. I had a failed startup and it taught me so much, but I ran that business alone. Um, I was a single founder and it was so hard uh, from a business perspective, but also an emotional perspective. It was, it was really, really exhausting, uh, like all businesses are. And I, I promised myself, if I was ever going to work for myself or create a brand again, or try to, I would not do it alone and I wanted to seek that support, that help, that complementative skill set in the person I work with. So yes, it was a very nice story and we did spend a long time getting to know each other to make sure we had like the same life values and goals in order to sort of make it all work.
0: And, and Hetty, how long was that process that Shara's just spoken about, about gelling, getting to know each other, like crafting that, that, that personal relationship and business relationship? Because I'm a strong believer in it's quite hard for a business relationship to really, really work unless you have a good personal relationship, especially when it's your company.
1: Totally. I mean, we'd say we courted for a year. <laughs> see, like, we, <laughs> we met. And now we're married. Now, yeah, we're married. Now, now we're married. But yeah, like in fact, I, w- I was getting engaged around the time that we met. And then Chara came to my wedding and we didn't really know each other that well. You know, probably known wow. each other about three or four months. So, uh-huh. and then, uh, yeah, and then that first year, Shara was consulting at Facebook. I was at Face Gym and we just kind of did this in the background together. And it was like our little passion project. And we, we didn't really know what the kind of the end goal was. We just kind of knew about this audience that we wanted to communicate to. And we felt passionately in, in, in that idea alone. And it kind of over the course of that year it evolved. And actually, weirdly, we both got ultimatums from our job saying we want you full time or we're going to have to call it quits. And, and we both just decided like, right, let's go for this now. And that's it. So it kind of almost was it prompted us to, to dive in. And thank God we did.
0: Um, So Shara, how was like going on from Hetty's last point, you were given an ultimatum, like how, how did that feel basically being told you either need to commit full time or you need to jump ship? Now, the reason why I'm asking this is in the last episode, myself and Chop were discussing that moment in time that many creatives or just normal everyday people go through every day. And that is like, do you jump? And pray that a plane is built on the way down, or do you just kind of hang out where it's comfortable?
2: That is—I mean, I listened to that episode; it was great. But it's—it's such a good point. Um, For me, leaving Facebook was something I needed. I knew in the early days, not that I had didn't have a great time there, but I knew I wanted to leave because I've had a bizarre career history prior to that. I had a failed startup. I was a freelancer I've done a few bits and pieces of like projects and events I really was like a freelance creative I guess you could call me and I missed working for myself and I also knew how hard it was and so leaving getting the ultimatum from Facebook was like a real sit down moment to go right Am I prepared to go back into the grind, the, the real grind and hustle that is working for yourself? And to anyone that's listening, they know what that's like compared <laughs> to having job security and a salary and money. So it was it was tough. But at the same time, I kind of had done everything. I, I'd been the freelancer. I'd done the startup. And I knew where my heart and passion lied. So I knew I wanted to do it again. And I had the drive. So it, well, it was the perfect timing, to be honest.
0: Um, now... Hetty, has COVID affected your business?
1: Um, yeah, I mean it, it. Well, in fact, yes and no. We were we were already working remotely as a team. I actually made the decision to move out of London um, two years ago now, which you know, uh, for for a start... I'm sorry, uh,
0: we we oh. can't just sprinkle over that. We're, where do oh. you live? Right? <laughs> I'm sorry, you're pretending like you're <laughs> now living in Croydon. Oh no, <laughs> oh, sorry. No, no, no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I moved quite a long way away out of London. I moved to North Devon uh, by the sea, which is it's like probably four hours in the car. It's like a two-hour train with a forty-five-minute drive to the train. So it's it's a significant distance. But um, I I grew up in the countryside, and I just I don't know. I'd had about eight eight years in London, and I just I wasn't happy anymore. Um, I'm I'm a work machine, and I spent so much time on my laptop. <laughs> but I found that I was in this little flat in London, like on my laptop all day, and like you know having little walked around the park and I felt like I'd exhausted quite a lot of the, the fun parts of London with my friends like partying, going out to bars, restaurants and stuff and I did the like kind of con- countryside nature was really calling me so yeah it was it obviously like a moment in our work relationship where we kind of thought okay could this be risky but actually it's worked out really well and I've I've got into a pattern of kind of coming up on the train every week um, so obviously with COVID that stopped like I wasn't able to come up and see Charlotte face-to-face in the office but then we've just switched to zoom calls and we we actually our our database was the most engaged it's ever been at the start of lockdown it was amazing so like there were some positives in that respect um and i think the whole world is adjusting to to using video conferencing more and i don't think everyone will rush back to using the office in the same way but they'll certainly kind of put a more balanced um, approach in place so so yeah i mean yes and no it has affected it but um but I guess we we put this test to kind of remote working um, in place a lot, a lot earlier than COVID. So we were kind of already used to it by the time the lockdown happened.
0: Thank you. Now, now Shara, have you been doing a lot of Zooming? Oh
2: my God, so much Zooming, <laughs> so much Zooming, like almost too much Zooming. I'm, I'm, I'm quite grateful for the, the opening up the world is seeing now, especially in London, because it has it's changed my zooming to walk meetings and running meetings as you well know because we went
0: yes. for a run recently <laughs> yeah, we did in uh, Hampstead Heath the beautiful yeah. woods um to any of the listeners who are in the UK or even if you're not in the UK and you happen to come to London um you have to go to Hampstead Heath especially if you like walks and running Um, Yeah, go and be at one with nature. And it is really easy to get lost in there or end up going just in a circle. And you found that you end up running for an hour, then two hours, then three hours, and then you're like, hold on, I'm lost. And that tree does look familiar, but at the same time, it doesn't look familiar. Now, have either of you ever done this before? Have you ever had a meeting in the bath?
1: Never. No. No, <laughs> I've, done, I've done quite a few emails in the bath. Like I, I often take my phone with me and like, I'll either write an article or I'll like do some drafting, but I've never actually had a call.
0: And how, how has the experience been thus far? As we were talking about it lots in things that we might make the outtakes, but just for the main part of the show, <laughs> how have you found doing the show in the bath?
1: It's I'm good. quite enjoying yeah. it. Yeah, me too. Like, I wonder if it'll sound echoey, though, because of the acoustics, but... Uh, of yeah, course but, it will. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's nice, very relaxing. And actually, Corey, I needed a bath today. I, I, I was feeling really achy and tired, so thank you.
0: Um, so, I know. do you... I know... Actually, do both of you have regular baths, or are you non... Obviously, you shower, and as you said, shower, you keep yourself very clean, but do you have baths? <laughs>
2: I stress the fact that I keep myself clean. I just I love having showers. I don't I don't know people that don't. I can't I can't go a day without like maybe one or two showers. I just love that feeling. But no, I am not a regular bather. Um, I aspire to be one of those people, but this is my first bath in years, plural. So um, thank you for forcing me to do something uncomfortable, Corey, because I believe in that also.
1: <laughs> what? Well, Corey, I'm like you, I'm a runner. So I've I always had bars like with magnesium salts in them and things. So, and I like it really hot normally because it just, oh, it's just like nothing better than a hot bath. But um, because of pregnancy, I've had to just like cool it down a bit. So it's like tepid, which is just like not as pleasant. So I have more showers now.
0: And how far gone are
1: you? I'm five months now. So June, November. <laughs> two babies under two in, for six months. Is
0: quite, what quite time funny. in November? I'm only asking, is I just want to know if this new child is going to be a wonderful Sagittarius.
1: Oh, I think it's going to be a Scorpio because it's the start.
0: Of,
1: the start of uh, November, yeah.
0: Fantastic. Um, <laughs> now, we have taken a sidestep, but I'm going to move back <laughs> to our next question, which is now that you ladies are in the position that you're in um do other people ask you for help do you give them help and how does that helping make you feel
2: um yeah i can kick this one off yes people ask me for help a lot um i I love helping people i think it's it's it comes complementary to what i love doing which is meeting people so i think Corey, you and i've discussed this in the past like i consider my superpower to be People because I thrive off them and I genuinely love it. And yeah. my day is spent working around calling people and meeting new people, building relationships to do all sorts of things. So I have a lot of contacts in different areas of my life and I love connecting them and seeing great things happen for those people. So I do get asked for help a lot in terms of contacts and introductions and you know advice, which has been quite new recently. And <laughs> think, oh, what, what can I say? do? You sound... what
0: why do you sound so surprised that someone would ask you for advice? I don't know, but I'm like, have I, have I really
2: done anything in my life worth uh, sharing so far? It's been a very nice feeling, but I'm like, I hope I'm giving the right advice.
0: And since you started giving, I'm just going to go a little bit deeper into this question. Now, yeah. since you've been um, giving advice or, or giving help, has that helped you with anything on your side?
2: um yes it's made me realize i want to help more outside of potentially my job um so something i have done recently is joined this incredible initiative called the girls network and it's, it's not related to dose in any way I, mean, I, I do spend a fair portion of my life working and I, I really enjoy that it's given me some food for thought of what i can do outside work so the girls network is um, an initiative for supporting ch- uh, children between the ages of 14 and 19 in underprivileged backgrounds and becoming a mentor to one child and helping them through whatever stage of their life they're, they're, they're struggling or just interested to progress further so yeah I, I'm, I'm really enjoying that new challenge
0: that's amazing um hetty do do you have any mentors or do you mentor people
1: Um, weirdly, I've always been a bit of a mentor to my friends. Um, when I was at at Uni they used to call me like the Oracle, which my (laughs) sister's mark this up. No, my sister's laughed at me because in my family, I'm like the baby that just like knows nothing. And yeah. um, so they find that hilarious. But like, I've always been a bit of an agony aunt for my friends. And as we've got older, I, it's kind of gone from like relationship advice to more like work advice. And, and, uh, you know, I was probably the first one to go down the startup route. So it's been really nice now um, being able to like share contacts and advice uh, later on, um, because I'm just that little bit further down the road than them. So so yeah, I've had quite a few kind of um, calls and emails asking for like intros and just just general support and tips and stuff, which is is always nice to give. Um, but yeah, I mean, Shara's doing a very noble thing with her um, network. But I think I, I being a mum at the moment, my, all my energy is going on my my baby. So I think she she's asking me for help all the time, and I'm just <laughs> trying to like do as best as I can to like keep her alive and happy. So um, but yeah, but yeah, it feels it feels good to give back for sure.
0: And then how, how does that make, what I'm trying to find out is when you do all of these awesome things, does it have a a positive effect? As in, does it have a a knock-on effect for the next person that comes to ask you for help? Like, does it foster genuine goodwill across the board in current times?
2: I think so. I think you, you you get back what you put in and that that I mean I live by that saying so um I think it's it, it gives you faith in the universe like it, it's it's about getting I don't I don't want to say that you're getting back something from giving the helper or that's the way it should work. But <coughs> it's it's just an amazing feeling to be able to help somebody and leave them or answer their question or just point them in the right direction. Um, and Petty wrote an article about this actually like actually what it does for your brain, like helpers uh-huh.
1: high. Yeah it's like yeah. The, hel- the help the helper's high like it, it just kind of gets your happy hormones firing like nothing else, like to be able to just like give back to others and just, and yeah, it all comes back around. Like Shara said, it's like a, it's a karma thing. It's like, inevitably it will improve someone's f- mood and, and yours at the same time, because it's a very rewarding feeling and reward is all to do with like dopamine and serotonin. So like, so yeah, linking it back to the old DO's acronym there. <laughs> <laughs> <Fantastic>. <laughs>
0: um, now on your journey, Ladies, um, have you experienced any kind of of discrimination, whether that be because you're female or because of anything else?
2: Oh, I I mean, Corey, I could do a podcast with you about this alone. (laughs) Um,
0: Where do I start?
2: Where do I start? Um, I'm half Indian, as you know, as you both know, obviously. So I've definitely experienced discrimination for being Indian, very much more so in my youth. Um, and really understanding that was the whole situation in itself especially when you're half of one and half of the other so my other half is Irish Mm -hmm. um I've I mean there's countless experiences that I won't go into but it it really is a a learning a learning curve and a learning journey and and understanding so much more about your heritage when that happens um the other thing I think I can definitely talk about is discrimination for being a woman is like unbelievable especially when Comes to business, which I just did not know existed until I threw myself into the wonderful world of fundraising with my first startup. Um, and wait for this when I tell you, because I'm expecting gasps. I was <laughs> once in of the 200 meetings I had. Literally, it was 200. I had a spreadsheet and everything, and you, you know I love a spreadsheet. I had a meeting with a guy, like just a high-value net worth um, male, male, and I can't say his name. He said to me after I presented my business to him that I, I really like you and I really like your business, but you're a high risk high risk investment to me because you're female and of childbearing age.
1: Wow!
0: Mm, punchy. Yes.
2: So that was that was one example of many. And how did you how, do you, how do you
0: how do you even respond to that?
2: Do you know what Corey? It's one of those situations that when I get, I have to say personally, when I get in the situation where I'm in total shock. I actually failed to respond and it's something I'm really working with at the moment because it happens in different areas of my life and then I I kind of sweat and get angry about it for a few hours afterwards and sort of you know argue with myself why I didn't respond correctly or in the way that I felt two hours after and so yeah angry for sure but complete and total shock that someone can say that because if it was a corporate company you of course can't I'll say that to an employee, or you know, you're not even allowed to ask how old people are when they apply for a job now. But it, when it's private money, they can ask you whatever they want.
0: So at a time now, if that were to happen to you today, how like how would you respond, Sharon? Uh,
2: with experience and given that given the thought and state of what we want our business to be. And how we would like to work with people and build relationships, I would walk away in a second. I mean, my, my gut would want to scream and swear, but I would walk away and have no interest in working with that person.
0: Awesome. That's, it's disgraceful. What throws me in situations like this is always what makes you think you can get away with saying it. Right. Like that's that's mm. that's that's always the bit that gets me. It's like the confidence that someone has in them saying something, knowing full well that what they're saying is wrong, it's bad, it's sexist, it's disrespectful. But they're like, you know what, fluff it. I'm going to say it anyway because there's nothing anyone is going to do about it. That's. But do you, do you
2: sometimes think that they don't know that it's sexist, bad, racist, and everything else? Like some people don't know no. That's what oh, they're saying is
0: wrong. I mean, as Hetty just said, that's even that's even more concerning. Like yeah. there are some situations where where I might be able to say, oh well, maybe you didn't know, but that is quickly followed up with, but it's 2020. How dope? I you know. know.
2: Mm. I know. Another another situation I had um, in in a, in a similar environment when raising money was being asked if I was private school educated and what my parents did for a living, which Fantastic. I was baffled at.
1: Mm.
0: And when, when was when was that?
2: This was about six seven years ago. Maybe
1: maybe longer. Yes, it's
0: maybe seven or eight years ago. And Hetty, what about yourself?
1: Well, like probably in a slightly different way. I've been probably slightly discriminated against the fact that I'm from a certain class and background, and people or one person in particular in this story assumed that I, just because I was you know from a white privileged background that I wasn't kind of prepared to kind of get stuck in get my hands dirty on projects and it was in a design company and um, she was always a bit frosty with me and then there was one day she came in and saw me like on the workshop floor I think had my shoes off and I was just getting stuck into something helping the designers out with something and suddenly she just changed her tune and like I think she just suddenly liked me she saw me in this new light and it's funny because like I've been raised like my father's from a southern privileged background but my mum my, my grandma like held from like working class Lancashire you know and I've kind of always had very balanced upbringing because of it like I can see both sides and I can mingle with both you know sides of the spectrum and um I think when people get to know me they see that but I've come I've had certain situations where people have just assumed that you know I, I won't be prepared to do certain things because of where I'm from which I found a bit strange um and I've I had a
2: to, sorry go on.
1: No, no, no. I was just saying, like, I've had a few things, like, in a previous job um, where I worked for uh, an entrepreneur, like, I had a guy come up to us once and sit down and said, does your dog bite? Um, Which I found very rude, um, because... What?! Well, I mean, I interpreted it as like I was the dog, like a AKA a, a bitch and the do I bite. And I did not know what to say. And I like, I, I, I mean, I've spoken to quite a lot of people about this, uh, about this situation and they were like, oh, that's, that's awful. Um, but at the time I was just, I just didn't know what to say. I felt powerless, but it, it didn't make me feel very good. Put it that way. <laughs> yeah, what did you say? <laughs> what
0: did you say, Sharon?
2: I just, I mean, that whole story just
0: makes me angry. I'm getting angry now. <laughs> and is it changing? Like, have things got better over the years?
1: I think, um, I mean, yeah. since we've had our business, I don't know, I felt having my own business, it's made me feel more empowered that I'm able to be in the driving seat, especially work-wise. I don't know if you feel like this, Shara, but like, we, we're we in control. So like, you know, we, we dictate how we treat others and how others treat us. And I think we both wouldn't put up with it if someone didn't treat, like if we had a client that didn't treat either one of us in a certain way, like what, what, what's the most important thing about our business is people. And um, if anyone was to say anything rude to like Shara or any of my colleagues, like I would pipe up about it and I'd, I'd be the first one to protect them. I'm quite like, I am quite loyal and, and fierce in that regard.
2: I like to think that the wider world is slowly changing. I mean, I kind of have to for my sanity in, in every respect of ugh, discriminatory situations. Um, I like to think that there's a big movement across people supporting women that run businesses and that work for themselves and being able to have it all like, in some capacity of having children and, and manage that work-life balance. And I also like to think that you know the Black Lives Movement Black Lives Matter movement is is changing everyone's understanding of racism but then I look at BBC News and look at the comment section or the Daily Mail and have a small breakdown and realise that maybe it's not changing as much as I want
0: it to. It's so sad that Mm. there are still people out there like that that yeah they're, they're, they're keyboard warriors and more often than not if you were to see most of them in person They wouldn't say the things that they do. But what's really sad is that they do say the things that they do on the internet. Mm -hmm. It's like you have a look at some people's posts or you have a look at people's stories or you speak to people and the level of abuse that people get in their DMs for just being black or for just being female is like... it, it. I'm lost for words because I don't understand where that, firstly, hate comes from, and secondly, time, as in, because you have to really feel strongly about something for, for you to sit there on your phone and write N-word, 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 N-word to someone that you, you don't know for no other reason than you've seen a video or an image of them and they don't look like you.
2: Has
0: that Have you ever happened to you, Corey? Um, no, that hasn't happened to me. Um, that's, happened, that's happened to a lot of my friends. Um, that's happened to a lot of my friends. And like, like over the past couple of days as well. Like it's, 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 unbelievable. it's unbelievable. Like the internet at times can be a beautiful place, but also yeah. can be an ugly, awful, nasty place where people with no backbone or spine are able to, to, to speak freely with with no, with nothing. <laughs> like without anything. I think Mike Tyson, obviously, I'm gonna put this out there as a disclaimer, I do not agree with violence. I do not agree with violence. I do not agree with violence. However, <laughs> Mike Tyson said that the, basically the internet has lured people into being disrespectful because they're not fearful of what will happen to them anymore. It's yeah. like I can, I can, so I, I can say all of these things because it's on the internet. Like I don't say anything on the internet that I wouldn't right. say to someone in person, face to face. Yeah, and yeah, it's it a great way to live by.
1: It is, and yeah. like, imagine saying that to Mike Tyson's face. I mean, Jesus, exactly. <laughs> you'd regret that, wouldn't you? Yeah, I know, horrible, horrible trolls so many trolls
2: i just yeah i i still can't believe it i really try not to look at media publications like that too but then i guess you have to to educate yourself right
0: yes and that's that's i guess there's a fine line to be found between educating yourself and like doing yourself harm because some of the stuff that i've started to watch and i stopped watching I'm like nah, I don't. I don't need this in in my brain. Like I have. I have enough imagery of people hating on black people and like killing black people and doing nonsense. I don't need to watch anymore. Like let, no. let's 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 mm. just let's just change it. Let's just fix it.
2: Agreed. Agreed.
0: Um, now, ladies, thank you for joining me on this wonderful uh, <laughs> podcast in the bath. Um, do you have any questions that you would like to ask me before we close?
1: Has your skin gone wrinkly yet? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, my, palm, my palms have gone wrinkly. <laughs> always, that's always the telltale.
1: Is it like after a certain amount of time usually? Is it like kind of 20 minutes in?
0: Um, do you know what? What's quite interesting is I have, like there are, there are episodes that I've done that have been an hour and 10 minutes and my wow. skin hasn't gone wrinkly. Um, yeah. And I just think wow. it's due to the the, um, the amount of hot water
1: uh, that
0: I see. is in and the products that you add um, because I didn't notice it. But yeah, that's been the longest one, an hour and 10 minutes. And then so if it was an hour and 10 minutes pure, that means, sorry, if it was an hour and 10 minutes edited, that means it was about 90 minutes pure. So I was probably in the bath for about an hour and a half.
2: That's amazing. Um, I have a question for you, me. Um, it's based on something I learned about you from your uh, one of your previous podcasts And ah. um, you said that you didn't start asking for help until you discovered running. Yes. Do you ever think about why that was?
0: Um, yes, I kind of touched on it a little bit. It's because Running, I guess, opened me up emotionally. So my grand passed away years ago and I didn't really deal with that trauma. I just turned into a bit of a, I guess, a little tortoise in its shell who would occasionally pop his head out to see what was going on in the world. I just kind of cracked on with it, pretending that I didn't have any problems, any issues. And then one day I just had this, not a breakdown, it was more of a, I'm, I, I'm really not happy right now and I don't know why. Um, so I was really, really overweight, um, eating bad food, like I had like terrible habits. And it wasn't until I found running that I actually realized that I had those habits. and I didn't realize before I found running that I was as unhappy as I was because as far as I'm concerned, if you're going out for a run, um, and you're crying for no reason whatsoever or you're sat watching, I don't know, a Lego movie eating Nando's and you just start crying for no reason. Well, at the time you think it's for no reason. But as you grow older, as you mature and you like fess up to the fact that you, you have issues just like everybody else, it's like so much easier to manage and to, to deal with. So, like, running was, I guess, this tool or this vehicle that I used to make space in my mind to deal with the stuff that had been suppressed for so long. And that came out both, like, mentally and physically. So, like, my friend Orsi that I met at random years and years and years ago, I met her maybe once or twice at Random Crew. And then I bumped into her um, at Sainsbury's at my workplace. And she was well she still is like this bundle of joy and she just came charging towards me was like corey corey hello hello how are you and at the time i just looked at her and i was like who is this incredibly happy person charging towards me wanting to touch me this is weird and she hugged me and i remember as the years passed and i kind of like got more I guess, emotional, happy with being vulnerable. She told me that that day was the stiffest, most concrete brick-like hug she had ever received in her life. She said it was like hugging a plank of wood. She was like, you didn't give anything back. And then on that particular day when I greeted her, I just gave her a hug that a normal, everyday human person (laughs) would give. And she was like, oh, you've changed. I was like, what, what are you talking about? And then she told me the story. And it was running that did that because like, when you run and you don't listen to music and you are happy to listen to yourself and just let whatever needs to happen, happen. Some very strange shit happens and I don't swear often, but it's very strange shit. And all you have to do is open yourself up and let that happen. Let that process happen. But you have to be like open to that, you have to be willing, you have to be ready for it. And if you're not, then it's, it's not the right time. And I'm speaking about this, this is my running journey. Not everyone has exactly the same journey. Like some people are, are they're happy to just run, they're, they're quite happy to, to run marathons, they're quite happy to, to go for a time, or they're quite happy to just run and listen to music and have fun. Like there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But for me, like running is um, a journey of discovery that if you kind of let yourself be open to it, like you can learn so much about yourself. And yeah, that's, that's what I learned.
1: It's funny, isn't it, Corey? Because like we, we talked about this before when, when we did the podcast with you about the yeah. runners high and how some people just don't get it or they, they just, yeah, like you said, they just, they run to have their fun. But yeah, I'm like you, like I can go places with running. It's amazing. I, that's why I call it like healthy hedonism. It's like a form of just getting high on your own stuff. It's amazing. You <laughs> untap in that brain. And I, I've kind of cried on runs before. Like when the weather has like synced with my mood and it's like a thunderstorm yes. and I'm like oh my god everything's just so beautiful and like, I just feel so alive and uh yeah it's, it's incredible I miss running actually I haven't run for a while
0: I need to up my running game um
2: because I'm that? sort of a, a newly not newly converted runner I've always wanted to be a runner but it's it's not natural to me as you both know um but I haven't tried running without Nike Run Club app basically Coach Corey in my ears, music, or <coughs> podcast. So I've got a long way to go by the sound of it.
0: So, you, so you, you've you, yet to go for a run without any, sort of without music or a podcast or Coach Corey in your ear? Oh, sorry, one more. I do run with someone that
2: I can chat to.
0: Okay. But you've but no, never run, but you've, and so why is that, do you think? As in, what I, I mean is, is, is it on purpose or, or it just hasn't happened? Do
1: you know what, it just
2: hasn't happened. I'm, I don't know why, I, I'm, I'm listening to you say this thinking, that's amazing. I'm like, why am I trying to run without, music <laughs> or, or silence? So yeah, Project um, July week three, thanks so much.
0: And what I, what I always say to people before we go is, don't look for it, because looking for it will stop you from finding it. Because you're spending so much time going, so where is it then? Where's this, yeah. this runner's high you speak of? I'm waiting for it to come, I'm waiting for it to come. And you waiting for it to come is actually what is stopping it from coming. So just, just go for a run and get lost. Like just, I got a DM the other day from a guy who said, um, Coach Corey, Coach Corey, Coach Corey, can you help me with my running? I'm a real statitioner. I look at my watch every 30 seconds for Mm -hmm. no reason whatsoever and i have no idea why is there anything that you can advise me to do to help with that and my response was i said you can either take the watch off or you can leave it on it like it it makes no difference to me but what you need to do is find something else to i guess replace that statitioner as in, so if you're looking at your watch constantly every 30 seconds, or if you're looking at your phone every 30 seconds, then you obviously need something to take in. So look for a butterfly, like look for a, a bee, look for a tree, look for, look for cars, look for lampposts, look for, for frogs. Like look for anything that isn't technology. And that's how you get lost in a run. Don't get me wrong, I love stats. I love knowing if I've got faster or if I've got slower, but that's that never comes first. That's mm. always like the last thing that I look for, unless I'm training for a race. Because yeah. like a lot of people have said to me recently, oh, like, you talk a lot about fun, like what about progression? What about this, what about that? And I try and explain to people that fun is progression. Like if you can get to a place where hard work is enjoyment, <laughs> like what? <laughs> How, how is that not progress?
2: Yeah, um, that, that's a good statement to live by in a lot of aspects of your life, I think. Um, once you enjoy your work, no matter what that is, you are progressing.
0: Exactly. Um, and on that note, ladies, we will close. Thank you very much for, for joining me in the tub. Could you tell our lovely people where they can find you?
2: Uh, yes. Well, firstly, thank you so much for having us. We are super flattered and excited to hear back on the uh, podcast. You can find us on Instagram, uh, not Hetty and I personally. So um, <laughs> at, at Dose, Dose, Um me on Instagram is my name, which is just so lovely and complicated and now I have to spell out, at Shara Toccia, so S-H-A-R-A. T-O-C-H-I-A
1: and Hetty, I actually don't know your handle, so you can read <laughs> uh, how well do you know me? Um so it, it's at and then Hetty H E T T I E dot homes h o l m e s. But just you'll find a lot of like dogs and walking related stuff on there. Um, but yeah, definitely follow Dose if you wanna see what we're all about.
0: Awesome, ladies, thank you very much for joining me in the Tub Hug.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you, Corey. It's been a pleasure.
0: No, thank you. And everybody else, I will see you in final thoughts. So people, here we are at the end of another awesome episode of the Tub Hub. I was joined by the two lovely ladies from DOS, the co-founders, Hetty and Shara. Now, normally, I would close with final thoughts, but this week, I'm going to leave it up to myself and Shara to close our final thoughts. Because after we finished recording the episode, Shara actually contacted me and said, could we have another bath, please? Because she had more to say. So... Let's listen to what she has to say. Once again, thank you for listening. See you soon. I'll start talking to you. So, um, Shara, you had, you had something else to add, as in, you know, we were talking about discrimination. Um, you spoke about what has happened to you in the workplace. Um, but you, you said that some things have happened to you personally, can you share?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you may know this already, but I'm half Indian and half Irish, completely crazy mix of family culture and really, really fun. Uh, very, very food orientated. Uh, but I grew up in Essex, which was actually where I grew up in Gants Hill, which is very, very east, northeast of the central line for anybody that knows it, it was a yeah. very, very white area where I grew up. But Bizarrely, now it's not. So it's really, really changed over the years. Um, yeah. I went to a school, a primary school that was very ethnically diverse, but you know, still was, I'd say, <coughs> 80, 70 to 80% white kids. And I remember being in, in class one time and we were all talking about middle names. And this kid out of nowhere just turned around to me and went, Oh, I bet it's Packy. And wow. I just sat there in shock.
0: No, that's, and how and how old were
2: you um i want to say like nine or eight and and the thing was at that time i didn't know what it meant but i knew it wasn't the right thing to say and it was a mean and rude thing to say so i i went home and had to sit and talk to my parents and, and then that's when you really start to understand a little bit more about your heritage and then start speaking to my dad um, <laughs> my dad is the indian one in our family Hmm. and And understand like some of the things he went through when meeting my mom moving to the u k, and you really start to sort of understand a little bit more about being mixed race um it's it's just it's something to dive into maybe, throughout your whole life. like my dad still makes references when we're driving, and says, "Oh I, I remember this place it used to be a dance hall." and I'm like, "Oh cool, He went, yeah, they did let me in because I was proud." <laughs> like,
0: oh wow
2: yeah, it's it, amazing it's
0: crazy we we forget how like recently, these things happened. And I always find it strange when speaking to people who may not necessarily have either grown up around things like that, or heard of things like that, when throughout our childhood, like stuff like that, unfortunately was normal. It was always, "Ah, we can't go there. That's uh, like, they won't let us in oh, why not? You know why not, because we're black, they're not going to let us in. <laughs> we're yeah. like, oh, okay. And there was never a, a questioning. It was more of a, oh, okay, so that, that's just the way that things are. Um, and not too dissimilar to yourself, growing up in, in London, some of the schools that I went to, we were racially abused. And
2: Amazing. again,
0: you would go home and you'd speak to your parents about it, or you'd speak to your mom or your dad or your grand and it would be unfortunately that's how some people feel, and you can't react you can't this you can't that unless someone hits you or unless someone touches you like it's it's just the verbal abuse that unfortunately you have to go through and that's the messed up thing about it. But one thing I would say is, one thing that's positive is, it doesn't happen as much. It shouldn't happen at all, but there has been an improvement over the years. Um, So when that happened to you, did you say anything to anyone in school or did you just kind of leave it until you got home?
2: I left it till I got home because I was so young, I bet I didn't understand. And I remember being silent for a few seconds and just, Someone on the table said, oh my God, I can't believe you said that. But Because I didn't understand, I couldn't argue it. So I had to go home and then have a chat with my parents. And, and as I said, like you just start to understand a little bit more about where you're from and, and, and what kind of things are up against you in life. Um, another experience I had was with when I was a bit older, actually, which, do you know what? It will frighten me to this day if it still happens because someone, someone did say something else recently about this. When I was applying for a job, when I was at university, I, um, I was applying for an internship. You know, when you do like, work for free, get work experience. Mm-hmm. And I, I was finding it really hard to get an internship. I mean, I was probably just completely in an the interview and didn't have the right experience. But my friend's boyfriend at the time just turned around to me and said, oh, do you think it's because he saw your name and just immediately turned over your CV?
0: Oh, wow. And like, unfortunately, that stuff oh. does happen. <laughs> yeah.
2: There's apparently something called the Scrabble Index, which just pulls names out of the database for, I'm not even sure what reason. Uh, this is what I was saying when someone talked to me recently about the Scrabble Index. And I was like, people's names get pulled out because they're unusual on a case of race. It's amazing. And-, and what's
0: it called? Sorry, Shara, it's called the Scrabble Index.
2: Yeah.
0: I'm going to investigate that. If yeah. anyone's listening and anyone knows any more about that, please do let us know. Um, and I've got one more question for you, Shara, before you go. Um, are you going to have a discussion with, if you have children, will you have a discussion with, with them about things like this, about race, about how the world may view them differently? Or will you wait to be questioned?
2: Oh, hundred percent. I would definitely have that discussion. It's something I speak to my sister about a lot at the moment. Who does have a two-year-old, and um, he's what a quarter Indian because her husband's English. Mm-hmm. And even even small things like keeping references in the family about what we refer to as grandfather and gran- grandmother is Bar and in my dad's in my dad's um, culture. And oh. I'm like, why don't you let why don't you let my, uh, my nephew call Grandad Bapaji? It's just—it's yeah. just little things we're trying to keep,
0: keep alive. On to heritage. And,
2: yeah, hold on to heritage and and grow up with the natural understanding that they come from something different. Yeah. So yeah, the answer is yes. That and I am married and have kept my surname <laughs> <laughs> on that principle.
0: Thank you very much, Sarah.